Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words, the tender trembling moment starts. We're in a world of our own. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Hollywood Godfather. And as if you listened last week, this is a continuation about the tailor, AJ Ton, AJ Pratt. And before we go any further, let's introduce Jeannie Raymond. How are you, my darling? I thank you. I'm great. So happy to be here. Perfect. And our friend, compadre, writing host, and and everything else, Mr. Pat Picturelli, please. Good evening, everybody. And I'll tell you, I'm so happy to be anywhere. Well, we, like anybody is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, you give it, when you give it thought like that, yes. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, right now. Well, happy lead us on our journey tonight. Okay, okay. So uh, for those of you who didn't uh, tune into last week's show, Tune in. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, just to uh, give you in 24 words the last where we're uh, talking about A.J. Pratt, who went from uh, uh, rags to riches, first in the in the, in the tailoring business, so custom-made suits. And uh, we left off when he was about to enter his second profession, drug dealing, on a large scale. And we left off talking about uh, A.J.'s uncle, Howard, who uh, who Johnny knew. So Johnny plays a, uh, a a part in AJ's uh, Vegas uh, experience, not the drug dealing part, but uh, the uh, the uh, celebrity part. But he also knew Uncle Howard. Uncle Howard apparently was a uh, grade B comedian who would open uh, acts for you know ce celebrities doing shows, and he had a little bit of a drug Jones. He liked his drugs. He liked his weed. Uh, AJ started in the weed business, but then they progressed. Uh, and uh, we talked about parallels between AJ's life and Gianni's life, and it was uncanny the similarities in their lives as far as uh, uh, how they had their first mentor, their the, the heartaches and the tragedies they they had in their lives, and their uh, uh, their, their personalities being similar. And uh, here's where the great divide comes uh, when AJ decides he's going to go in one direction and uh, in uh, retrospect at the end of his life he realized he made a mistake so Jeannie, you want to start us off here well aj went from being uh big in into making all these clothes everyone always referred to him as the tailor which i think he was very proud of because he was so successful at it and so creative and then he and it was um al or excuse me howard What's the uncle's name? Pardon. Pardon. And he um, ended up sticking together. That was um, his wife, Linda Lou's uncle, right. who it was kind of funny. And even AJ said that in the beginning, her parents weren't awfully fond of him. And when they talked about getting married, they said, let's send the uncle over to, to take a look at this guy and see if he we want this guy around our daughter. And so he vouched for him. The uncle did. 
And they said if they'd have known what trouble we were going to get into down the line, they maybe wouldn't have sent him over to to give me the kiss of approval. But those two uh, ventured on a very big career in running drugs. And boy... Because he, they, they started out where a lot of dealers start out with weed, right? And uh, being the consummate businessman that he is, he wasn't just selling crap. He was selling good weed. There's a uh, back in the seventies and eighties, there was a a strain of weed called Sensimilia. It was uh, in fact, this is what we had in Vietnam. Uh, very powerful, you know, as as compared to the uh, rest of. Uh, marijuana back then, which was about five to ten percent THC, which is the part of of weed that gets you high, and it was uh, the the strength of it was five to ten percent. Sensimilia was about thirty to forty percent pure and gave you a bigger kick. Now, just for comparison purposes, now thirty to forty percent uh, THC in weed is common. And and uh, you can get uh, up to it if you're doing dabs, which is oil, you can get 95% strength. So, I mean, the, the weed industry has changed. But back then, Sensimilia was what you wanted. And that's what AJ was selling. And he saw what he was making. And they were making a lot of money. Uh, but the problem with selling weed is you open yourself up to scrutiny and possible arrest because of the sheer volume that you have to sell to make a lot of money. Uh I don't know, uh, an, an ounce, I think, was going for uh, for $400, but a, a, a pound was going for something like 4000 And that's a pound. And you could sell uh, a, a couple of eight balls of, uh, of, of, of Coke, which was an eighth of an ounce for $4,000. And uh, so he he basically introduced Vegas to Coke. Uh, well, the interesting thing to where that we should interject, in his tailoring life, with Savellas and a lot of people, he was making clothes for major, major mobsters. Mm. And if they knew he was doing that, he wouldn't have survived very long. No. And, and, and that, that was when the, uh, the no drug rule actually meant something. Well, not only that, too, but, you know, with, with Vegas, like most small cities, which that was, the police department, all that, well, you know, they were friends. But the FBI was constantly trying to get the mob hooked on something and drugs was the biggest thing they could do. And if they knew what they were doing, their friend was doing, that's what brought basically a lot of guys down. And I, I know for a fact, the Savellas would have whacked them no matter what they thought of them. Yeah. That, that's another, I don't know how he kept that secret. Even to me, cause to me, I never had drugs around me. You couldn't bring it in my house and, and he, and he performed, even Sammy Davis Jr. I told him when he came to my house, you know, you know, do something with yourself, but don't stop passing around like a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And I remember the fashion. This got so crazy in the 70s. The nail. Well, not, not only the fingernail. Then they started wearing gold spoons. Yeah, right. Gold razor blades as a piece of jewelry to announce that they were coquettes. And By I was the saying, way, as an aside, uh, did you ever go to Studio 54? Oh, my God, yeah. Okay, it was a, For those of you who didn't know what Studio 54 was, it was the club in, uh, in uh, uh, Midtown Manhattan for years. And, and everything went on. Everything went on in that club. 
whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted to do with whoever you wanted to do. There was rooms to go, yeah. I'd go there with with the Yoko Ono when we were guarding her. We would go to Studio 54 occasionally. That said, they had a giant Coke spoon that was suspended from the ceiling. It must have been about 10, 12 feet long. And it was a spoon. Nobody said it was a Coke spoon. But it was suspended from the ceiling. And every 20 minutes, it would lower. And that was your your uh, uh, cue to take another hit. (laughs) And everybody started snorting right out in the open. But that was that giant Coke spoon. Like, nobody knew what that was. Here comes the spoon. Let's take another hit. Like, Coke was so so out in the open. And everybody was Oh, yeah. It. I mean, it was it was fashionable. But it was it known as, actually, as a rich man's drug. Yeah. Because uh, a, a gram was $100. And a gram is next to nothing. But, I mean, it'll if you're, if you're heavy into Coke, you do go through a, a gram in two hours, if, if that long. But plus, you know, it's a, very, uh, it's a very social drug. You don't do Coke by yourself. But you got to have somebody to talk to because you never shut up. Uh, and you, you're, <laughs> you're always passing it around and it, it goes. So AJ uh, was in, introduced to Coke, uh, I, I think to a showgirl. Je- uh, Jeannie, do you, do you recall how he was introduced to Coke? Oh, I'm trying to remember. No, there, he's had so many fascinating stories. I do know, um, you know, it was ways to help when he was in Vegas and, and there were all those dancing gals and, and getting worn out and tired i do know it he did it did help him on his cells by saying i i know a way we can wake you up but i i can't recall right off the top of my head and and, and that's all right because we want people to read the book we can't tell them everything but i do not recall well how he, what the- when he was introduced to what he said there's money to be made here well, uh, because exactly you know a weed high mellows you out. A coke high speeds you up, makes you extremely social. All the barriers come down. Uh, you know, s- somebody once said, "You have no inhibitions." No inhibitions. <laughs> and this was this 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 is a quote. Somebody once said to me, "You know, cocaine enhances your personality." So I said, but "What happens if you're an asshole?" <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> it's true. I mean, only you would say. I love it. It, I it love just it. it just expanded your horizons, and and and, uh, and by the way, and, and you just can't do coke. You have to drink at the same time because coke speeds you up, and you have to maintain that balance. So the bartenders loved it. Uh, I mean, everybody was was going nuts, and AJ made a lot of money. I mean, you know, it's literally truckloads of money. Oh my God! Yeah. So, you know, you know what? I, I would like to share this with our audience because to me, I thought it was so unique how he got involved with Pablo Escobar. There you go. Pablo Escobar was going to run for public office, and he had enough followers in both everywhere because he was so generous to the people. So he wanted to change his image, and he heard about AJ, and AJ became his tailor. They brought him in. Ocho brought him in. And introduced him, and 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 uh, I find that fascinating because here he's trying to dress a politician, and then he realized this guy's the biggest drug dealer in the world, nobody right. bigger than him, and the one thing the Colombian did, and and especially Pablo Escobar, they stayed away from mobsters. They didn't want nothing to do with mobsters because they didn't want to get. 
manhandled or in, intimidated by them, which they would have tried to take over. So now you have AJ with all the mobsters that he's dressing. <laughs> he's going to dress Pablo Escobar because he wants to go into politics. And they made him the biggest drug dealer in the world. They backed hey, him. Uh, Escobar, as, as, as we know from the book, really liked them. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's so yeah. crazy. Right from the get-go, he was giving them kilos on credit. Uh, yeah, he could do no wrong. Of course, if he did wrong, <laughs> you know. Oh, no. one, one thing about AJ, he was an honorable guy. He, he paid all his bills. He did what he had to do. And he kept that secret that he was a, 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 a basically a cocaine kingpin, as as described by, by the feds. If you're a kingpin, and they use that term, you're a big deal. He kept right. that hidden from everybody. Well, he had to because he knew one thing. The Savellas and the mob then, they would have killed them themselves. Yeah, I know. But you know how difficult it is to do because the people who you're selling the Coke to can't shut up. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, but he wasn't. But see, you're selling. He wasn't selling to. He was selling to dealers. Yeah, the dealers, but still. The dealers were on the street with the people. Yeah. He but never still. let anybody know who his supplier was. He was, he was. he was very smart in the way he yeah, created yeah, no kidding. this. Yeah. Nobody knew about it. There was a handful of people that knew about it, period. But, uh, you know, because I was involved with so many people. Again, how are parallels? Because when they were talking about, you know, uh, Joe Augusto and DeLuna and all these guys, because what people don't on the street know, the Savellas bought the Tropicana Hotel from Frank Costello and Joe Kennedy, they wanted out because they were getting bigger and they didn't need the gaming commission was coming down on them to find out who the real owners were. So the Savellas bought it <laughs> and they put Joe Augusto and DeLuna in there to run it. We I'm got caught on well, I'm sorry. But but these guys, you know, dealers get caught, dealers get arrested. You know, I mean, nobody flipped on them. Nobody flipped on them. <laughs> well, they I, I think if he stayed in it long enough, they would have. I mean, well, he he was quite a while. There, there was there was one portion in the in the book where one of AJ's uh, major dealers got busted, and uh, they were friends. But you know, friends in the drug business aren't friends. Mm -hmm. And he figured, you know, as soon as you have an out, and AJ was uh, was frightened that this guy was going to flip on him, and he never right. did, never did. And it, he would have gotten a, a, a shorter prison sentence, but he never he never flipped on him. Such, such was the power of AJ, and it wasn't power through strength. It was power through just being a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they, they liked him, but to uh, in defense of that guy not flipping, yeah. the last thing you want to be in prison is a rat. You well, it's protection. I mean, people flip all the time, you know? No, excuse me. I'm, I'm telling you something I know. Drug dealers, there's more drug dealers in prison than mafia guys. You yeah. flip on a dealer, they'll handle you in prison. And you know, they, who's the that was ever going to go to jail if you flipped witness protection? I'm, that's where they went. That came yeah. later. But yeah. really, when this was happening, this was happening so fast, that they didn't know what to do with them all. Yeah. And so, even uh, the feds changed their policy, you know. They were trying to track people who knew mob people that were selling drugs. They wanted to bust them first so they roll over and get the mob involved with them. Yeah, that was the case they were looking for, and it didn't happen. So, Jeannie, any any more uh, coke stories involving uh, AJ? 
Well, I know he did a lot of drugs and a lot of partying. He he after his wife died, he kind of didn't wasn't really wanting to be involved with any women for a long time, but then that took a big turn and that turned on the heat for him and he did get married several times. Seven to be exact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At a short attention span, it appears. I don't know. But, yeah. He must have been very charming <laughs> because he seemed to but he was very generous. He, That's what he was, also. Yeah. Well, and it sounds women. like everybody just really liked the guy. Men oh, and his personality is amazing. He, yeah. he he wound up with a with a bad cocaine jones. You know, and cocaine is not physically addicting. It's psychologically addicting. Yeah. Two different things. And he had a hard time breaking loose of it. He tried numerous times. He just couldn't do it. And to, to, to kill a cocaine habit, you have to get rid of all your friends who are doing cocaine. You right. can't associate with people. You oh, know, yeah. so he was doing he was doing a lot of coke. And plus, he had to be doing a lot of drinking. And he was sick and in bad shape. And then he meets Barry Seal. Which which didn't uh, uh, which helped his business, but uh, but didn't didn't help his uh, his, his cocaine habit. Right. Barry Seal, I didn't know him personally, but I knew a lot of people who did in the DEA. Barry Seal was, uh, a, you know, if you were to think of a soldier of fortune type, this guy was a pilot, and uh, he rented himself out to the highest bidders. Didn't care what he had to do. He was an adventurer. He just he just. He, he liked that sort of thing. He, he, he got off on it. Right. He was smuggling weed to begin with, and then the, 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 the cocaine phase came in, and you can, once again, transport a lot of, uh, a very little amount of coke as compared to a, a lot of, a huge amount of uh, weed. Well, yeah, was weed, weed, weed was in bales. <laughs> yeah, right. weed, yeah, and they, they used to drop it in the ocean <laughs> in, uh, in uh, waterproof bales. But, right. Uh, uh, Barry Seal could befriend anybody. He was a very gregarious guy. His only problem was, and AJ uh, mentions this in his memoir right from the beginning, this guy couldn't shut up and Coke didn't help that habit any. He yeah. just kept on running off at the mouth. And uh, th th But they were, uh, they almost crashed in a plane once, uh, taking a load back. Uh, the particulars uh, uh, escaped me. Jeannie, can you fill us in on that? Well, the, the crash that I remember was a, a, a crash they wanted to create. Intentional, right. Yeah. Because yeah. the guy who owned the plane, which they didn't know, he reported it stolen because his, his friends and lawyers said, you know, they're using your plane to transport yeah. drugs. And the FBI and the DEA have your wing numbers. So guess yeah. what he does? He reported his plane stolen a week before they were still flying it. Why they were still doing it. That's right. That's why they had the crash. Yeah, when right. they were in it. <laughs> but, and he said, no, but they had to do that to get rid of the plane. Yeah, right. you know, the, that, that particular scene in, in uh, the book, AJ tells it very well. You know, Barry Seal had experience flying. He figured... He wasn't going to crash the plane to die. He was going to crash the plane right. because he had to crash the plane. AJ, right. however, the way he explained it and the way Sal Manor wrote it, I mean, he, he knew he was going yeah. to die. This plane was going down. <laughs> and he was yeah, going I to mean, crash being the plane going down and then the guy saying, don't worry about it. We're going to land it. We'll <laughs> yeah, land right. It. Yeah, right. <laughs> how about I get out Barry and you show me calm. how? I'll, I'll watch from down here. <laughs> Barry Seal was actually calm. Oh, right. yeah. 
And he says, just relax. It's all under control. Meanwhile, they're going down on a 45-degree angle at 300 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, AJ said, this is it. And then, then you start swearing to God. I'll never yeah. do coke again. I'll never smuggle coke again. I'm you, know what, you, you know, it's funny, <laughs> as you're saying that, there was a great dialogue, as you said. Sal wrote this so well because the one engine went out and AJ was flipping out that we're going to crash. And he... They made him, he made him feel, don't worry about it. How many yeah. times have I landed with one engine? And then yeah. he proved to him that he could do it. So he calmed down. But AJ probably never went on the plane again. Right. That's what I was well, thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh. Did, did he also, he... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, okay. uh, he also said that from that incident on, AJ said he, he never, he, he took plenty of flights to private planes. He, uh, if it was a prop plane, he never took a flight in a, in a single engine plane ever again. Right. Okay. Uh, it always had to be at least two engines because he learned from Barry Seal. Right. Unfortunately, Barry Seal had problems of his own. He talked himself uh, into a big problem. And, uh, and once again, AJ was, was scared that, he, that Barry was going to drag him down. They were partners. Right. Uh, and Barry Seal winds up getting uh getting hit he got whacked and he was well, a young guy he was as you pointed out the guy would never shut up <laughs> there was a lot of people that were worried he was going to roll on all of them oh, because he was dealing with and you know what it was, and it was it was odd too because they all liked them oh yeah he was very like barry but barry's got to go you know yeah. well yeah, yeah I mean, they're all going to go to jail think you know if, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be funny. Well, wow, great guy, Joe Barry. We had a lot of laughs. You go out and have a great time. Yeah. But, you know. Oh, we got to kill you. Uh, we really can't take a chance. Well, you know, but, I, I, I was, I sat around a lot of clubs with people like, you know, mob guys. And I, I said this early on, even to you, Pat, right? and what convinced me really as a young man not to want to be in their club <laughs> yeah. or a member of it. I would see guys on Sunday bringing 20,000, 30,000 to their rabbi, they would just call them rabbis, who were their sponsors within to become a mobster. Yeah. And the guy would leave and they say, you know, two or three more weeks with this guy, we got to kill him. And I'm sitting there, so wait a minute. It uh, just hugged him, kissed him, took the 50,000. It's 20, like they're ordering lunch. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's a way of business. You know, you so gotta, what are they, you know, and, and surprisingly enough, a lot of these uh, uh, mobsters are very religious. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. We'd come so from church. Always, we would come from church and go to the club on the river. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. I really never got a definitive answer. They're ordering the deaths of so many people, particularly if, if you're, uh, you know, a captain or above. Uh, how do they, are they religious because they think the more they go to church and the more they confess that they're going to get a pass when they die because they believe in God? What's the what's the rationale here? You know, I'm, I'll bring up a conversation. I think I had it with you and you probably forgot it. I got so friendly with John Paul II and we were out. He, he liked to drink his wine. We were out in Rome and he said to me, I got to ask you this question. This is now after a year, two years, I know the guy. And I really love this guy. And he said to me, how do you justify what you do? And I only know a few things you did. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you know what I'm talking about. I said, about taking a life. 
I said, he says, yeah. I said, well, I'm doing God's work. He said, what? He said, I'm a disciple of the Lord. He said, can you explain that to me? What <laughs> makes you think that you're a disciple of the Lord? I said, I killed the pedophile. I killed the drug lord. I, 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 I'm getting rid of the trash. Well, you are. I'm talking about people who order hits. Well, that's what they're thinking. You're asking what they, how they justify it. They yeah, just, how they ra just, just rationalize rationalize it justify it, whatever the terminology is yeah that's how they say it he's a bum right. he's, he's trash he's especially if you're a drug dealer they wipe out drug dealers constantly yeah, yeah. no right. kind of it well you know pat when, when uh a while back um when the bobby was on he just said that was that was the price of doing business you know this oh, yeah. is how we and and it it, it simplified it made it sound like a business transaction you know it, it, is at, it is at the time but you know we all get old that's what i wonder I'm wondering uh, wondering what their mental process is when they get old and they realize what they've done you know the irishman the movie the irishman and you know it's it, it's a movie i understand that and not a very good one but uh, at, at the end robert de niro they, they they do like a one shot of robert de niro he's old he's in a nursing home he's got nobody He's sitting in his room all by himself, and they do a shot of him. It had to go for at least a minute, probably more. He's just sitting there, and he's staring off into space, but he's thinking. You can tell he's thinking. I mean, Robert De Niro is a great actor. He can twitch his eye, and it has meaning. But I think they wanted to symbolize there in that scene that this is the end for him. His family deserted him. His kids won't talk to him. He's got no visitors. Nobody cares about him. And now he's ruminating, if you will, about all the people he killed. And I'm wondering if everybody goes through that at that stage of their lives, unless they're psychopaths, unless you get guys like Albert Anastasia who kill people for breakfast. You know I mean? It, it just, it just boggles my mind. I mean, in, in, in a time of war, you do what you have to do and it still bothers you. Always but I'm saying, see something like you just pointed it up now. You know how many mob guys said that said, well, I should be in an army uniform and killing people. That'll that's, God's going to forgive me. They're still people. I'm doing yeah. what I have to do to survive. You're but doing it, in the army what you had to do to survive. That's how they justify it. But at least the people that, that I'm, I'm, I'm killing or trying to kill are trying to kill me. That's <laughs> you. That's what well, I'm saying. They think the same thing. The people yeah. on the street are trying to kill them. Yeah, I know. I, I've heard this. So, I met more guys on their deathbed. Just one, as you know, recently, I was sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. 31 days. Yeah. And, he had no remorse at all. And he was a funny guy. Oh, by the way, he was in the paper today. For what? Tony. Yeah, for what? Read today's post about uh, an 85-year-old gangster. Oh, yeah, one of his guys, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he smacked the, the, the uh Ramanella. Yeah. Ramanella. Okay. Yeah. 85 years old, he gets arrested for extortion and assault because he uh, punched the guy. And it's on video. It's, it's, it's in today's post. He punches a guy. His, in the his nickname is Ram. Ram is a boss. Yeah, okay. There was an $86,000 debt in dispute here. And uh, the the guy who owned uh, the, uh, it was called Club A, but it wasn't the original Club A. This was a steakhouse. Right. And he, he wouldn't pay him because it wasn't his debt. It was his nephew's debt. Anyway, long story short, uh, Ram goes to our friend to, to put the icing on the cake to tell him, I want you, Tony. We will not mention his last name. 
to go down to, to just to talk to this guy because of who Tony was. So right. I was just surprised to see his, his name in the paper. Even his name. I am too. I, I'm not, well, I, 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 right now, I wouldn't want to be that restaurateur at this second. Well, they're not paid, letting that go. He paid the debt. Well, but that paying the debt and bringing people into the court, like that was stupid and in the newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually gave the, the video to the cops. The cops, you know, you know that's public well, information now. That's, that's, that's not over with, believe me. But, to mention the guy that we that was very close to me without mentioning his name, yeah. I was with him at the end, and he said to me, "You know what? Think about it. Who the hell wants to go to heaven anyway? None of our friends are up there. I want to be somebody saving me a seat in hell. <laughs> we're in a, we'll be down there, downstairs party and forget about it. Oh, on that happy note, what do you say we go to a commercial, Mister Rousseau? Please, we got to earn some money while they're building burning down next to me. You hear that? I love it. Yeah. The music of the night in New York. We'll be right Sorry. back. And we know where you live. You know that by now. We're introducing family dinners again. As we all know, Sunday sauce was almost abolished. Nobody wants to be cooking for five hours over sauce. So go to CordeLeonFineItalian.com. You'll see a choice of four great sauces and get back to the family. In fact, we're even introducing trivia parties and dinners. Come as your favorite character as the Godfather and have dinner. Remember, CordeLeonFineItalian.com. It's all there for you. It's an offer you can't refuse. All right, we're back for the conclusion of the teller, A.J. Pratt. So A.J., uh, and it, this is, it, from here on in, it has no similarities to you, but it's got a similarity to the movie Casino. Uh, uh, A.J., at this point, is married seven times. Apparently, A.J. didn't date. He just married people. Well, he was but, a romantic. <laughs> apparently. I mean, you know. He went, his last wedding was to chapel, on, on the Elvis Chapel on the street. Was it? Yes. And he said, why didn't you come to my wedding? I said, I wouldn't walk in that place. I didn't want anybody to see me coming out. His last, yeah. his last wedding was the chapel, the little chapel. I forget the name of it. It's famous. Uh, Everybody went there. It's, it's, it's called the little chapel, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's so crazy. But anyway, uh, an Elvis impersonator marries you. I yeah. mean, uh, there you go. Uh, anyway, his seventh wife, uh, he said, and he said, you know, I found my soulmate. Well, this, the other six were his soulmate too, but he never did forget uh, Linda Lou. That was his real. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, they were young then. He was really in love. Anyway, uh, 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 Jeannie, you want to you want to finish the story for us with the money? Well, the the money. You go with the money. I I, I want. I'm thinking about the chapel. Tell okay. me where you're from, and I'll jump in. Okay. Uh, uh, AJ, the, we're, we're, we're really at the end, so maybe she's talking about the chapel. Once you talk about the money gone, that's okay. Cool. What about the chapel? That's no, no, I was just, I, would, I was just thinking when you were talking about the Elvis chapel, I just found it so funny that he, he made all those clothes for Elvis, and that's who ends up marrying him. On his <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, so, you know, look how far we've come, anyway. Yeah. Uh, 
he did this. He made the same mistake that the that the Robert De Niro character Lefty Rosenthal was based on a real guy. Lefty Rosenthal did with his wife uh, Ginger, whose real name was Jerry. Jerry. She was a real person. And in, in the movie, uh, the, the Robert De Niro character, he's he's in love too, and he uh, he gives the safe deposit box authorization. Yeah, to she his had wife. the key. Yeah, yeah, who was played by Sharon Stone. You know, everybody's seen this movie, but. Uh, she empties it out. Uh, who knows how, how much was in there? She takes off. And AJ does the same thing. He uh, was in love with a much younger woman. They got married. And he, uh, to prove his love, he, she was a co-signee on all his bank accounts, a safe deposit box. She wiped them out, $6 million. Now, let's, that's the thing I couldn't understand. I, I questioned that even with the author. How, after all the money, he makes $6 million in a month. How come he only had $6 million left? He wasn't bad. Well, if you, well, he was, first of all, at that point of his life, he was out of the cocaine business. He wasn't feeling well. He had a lot of health issues, but if you're, if you're using your own product and I've seen this with numerous dealers, you know, he said, wow, this guy is doing very well. They're shoveling up their own noses and it's gone. And you get very generous. I mean, I knew a guy who was doing a uh, uh, high end burglaries, uh, I can tell you his name, but I'd rather not. He's a well-known guy. Uh, he was taking his friends on, on private jets to the Caribbean. Uh, a lot of drugs involved, too. He was, he was, he was also dealing coke, but his deal was uh, high-end burglaries. Uh, he was broke at the end of it all. He wound up doing uh, nine years in, in, in prison, totally broke. These guys have a way of lending money. When you're high, <clears throat> you also get, in addition to being very talkative, you get very generous. And you, yeah, since you have all this coke, give it away. You want a loan? You want money up front? Just give it away. And who knows? Partying in his house, what was stolen from him? The point right. is, he kept a stash, you know, and he had six million dollars. And he woke up one day, and it was gone. And he had he had murder in his eyes. And he talks about it. In oh, the book. Not, no, you got to tell the whole story though. How he went to the bank <laughs> right after his wife left. <laughs> right. Surprise! I remember she needed her passport. And she had the rights to go in there, but the banker didn't question that she was in there for a half hour. Don't take <laughs> a half hour to, it doesn't yeah, yeah. take a half hour to get a passport out. And she left right. with a big bag. Hello. <laughs> and do you know how much six million dollars weighs, even if it's uh Oh, hello. Even yeah. if it's hundred dollar bills, like you know, it's somebody like wants to me luggage. Uh a uh a, a, a single bill of US currency uh is a gram. Uh, and so can you imagine $6 million? She had to make a couple of trips to the car, I would assume. Anyway, he wanted to get it back. He wanted a whack. He wanted this. He wanted that. And all of a sudden, he said, all the, all the hate, all the animosity, he says, it just, what's the point? I mean, at the end, as, as I read it, I, I wasn't there, but he did it. He didn't have a good ending. It was terrible. No, he was very sick. And a lot of this has to do with organ failure. You do so much coke, your organs, you know, and even though, you know, well, uh, he, he quit, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it was, the damage is done. You know, you wonder how uh, Matthew Perry died. Well, we're going to find out once the uh, the autopsy results come back. But I think they're just the, being kind right now, not releasing it. They were, everybody's taking the glory. The thing, bringing that guy up, I can't believe how many people came forward a week, two weeks later to you know, let them know how much they loved him. Well, why right. did he care when he was there? I mean, they're all grandstanding on this guy's grave. It's he got crazy. a lonely man. What? 
He died a lonely man. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, where the hell were these friends, alleged friends? Where, where were they? Uh, but it's the same thing. There's there's the corollary with uh, with AJ too. He died alone. Yeah, those of you who want to take the time to look up this video, just put AJ Pratt video and and you'll get it. Uh, it it'll, it'll come up. Uh, I mean, he looked he looked like well, he was in the seventies. Jet black hair. I mean, jet black, like shoe polish hair. Yeah. Jet, jet black mustache, long hair. His, his skin was pasty, and it was all cocaine use, you know. And he just looked like a like something out of a, a, a horror movie. He looked freaking terrible. And he just passed away, 2016, I believe it was. By himself. Yeah, all, all along. 2016. Yeah, 2016 it was. Yeah. Yeah, he got he got married again after the the woman absconded with the money he, he got married and that he, he when he died he was still married to that woman and i was thinking i was going to bring this up to you but i said out do we really want to do this have the wife on i don't think so you know? no and she you know she's executive producer of this uh document yeah the documentary okay. oh she's, really Oh yeah. Well, she wanted the story told, you know, she was the last one and how people took advantage of him. And, you know, I, I'm shocked myself because I knew the guy. And when we found out about the book, it wasn't really, nobody knows this book. That's why they're doing the documentary <laughs> first to make an audience for this. Cause the studio said, who cares about H.J. Pratt, the tailor? Until you hear a story. Right. That's what they're saying. So yeah. now, they're going to let That's the world hear the story in a year, year and a half from now. There may be a feature film. Well, folks, you heard it here first. We gave you an uh, an insight into, of course, you know, four hours is going to be a, a lot longer than the two hours we did. There's so many ins and outs, and uh, this guy had such a life. Right. We're going to have the opportunity because we tried to get him. Now today, I confirmed that he will come on. So in the next couple of weeks. We can ask questions, and if our audience is in the mailbag, send the questions you would like to talk to Sal Mann, who wrote the Taylor. Did you ask uh, uh, our, our new best friend, Sal Manna, why he's so difficult to find? I didn't ask him that because I didn't want to insult him. I just met him today. <laughs> See, want to, first of all, I didn't want to say you were investigating, trying to find out where I mean, he I could find, you know, there's not, there's not too many people. You down. Who I can't find. I mean, I'm not tooting my own here, but he's. I know. I mean, how many people have you and I look for, John? You find him in ten minutes. <laughs> I know that. That's you what know? I'm saying. I mean, this guy. Now you know why I didn't he, want to say that to him because he's going to say, "Well, we just look." You know. If he had a publisher, it would have been easy. You call the publisher and he'll set it up. But, right. I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of Salvatore uh, manners in this country. Hundreds of them. Yep. So, you know, when you don't know how old the guy is or anything about him, I just gave up. Besides that, we, we had two good shows. We didn't need him. So, what, so what do you I've think, got a Molly? question. Sorry. How did, what's his relationship to um, A.J. Pratt? Do you know? Just a writer. No, he's oh. a writer. He was a the writer. Wife? The wife. The well, wife. Okay. The wife didn't vet him out. The producers, there's a young kid who's the producer of this whole situation. And he's doing it to build this because he thinks this is going to be a great movie for him. He's the director. Okay. I, I, I would imagine, uh, as I've seen in a lot of documentaries, that the, 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 the last surviving 
person that was connected with the subject of the documentary gets a title producer. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Doesn't mean anything. That just means she gets an extra check. No, but yeah, but that's what she needs right now. There's checks. Yeah. Hello, you died broke. We all need those. That's right. Well, uh, you know, I hope they continue with that. I know um, I I read, I did the book two times. I thought it was fantastic. And I, oh. I loved hearing mm-hmm. every bit about it. And I think I hope people go out and buy it and support it because it is a great, great story. And what a talented man. Once once again, the, t- the title is The Taylor by Sal Mann. And look at Adam. Sal Mann. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, good show. We uh, we wrapped up. I, I I think we did justice to AJ. What do you guys think? Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, we're not calling him a bad guy by any means. Yeah, he was a drug dealer. But I oh. tell you, if, if if you're gonna line up drug dealers, uh, this guy this guy was a gentleman. Oh yeah. Oh my god. He wasn't yeah. violent. He never hurt anybody. You know. But you know, I'm not making excuses for him. But you, you can tell what kind of a person he was. Right. Well, to, well, to turn no one wanted, yeah. No one ever wanted to, to get him in trouble. It sounds like he was just a person that you got caught up in the in the in the, the moment. <laughs> but you know, but still, you know, yeah, yeah, like Gianni says, caught up in the moment, and the moment in the cocaine business is a violent moment. Yeah. And he, he avoided oh, yeah. it. You know, he avoided well, it all. Not all. He, he he did have an incident on the boat that we I won't even bring it up, but uh, with a friend. But uh, I, I want people to read the book. I don't want to spoil all the good stuff. But what I, it, it is a great book, The Taylor. I, I think hope. I, I think it also helped that he was uh, conducting business in Vegas. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely! And you got to be really careful what you do there, particularly during those years. Yeah. Uh, all right. With that said, good night and. We'll see you next week. Write those cards and letters because we're doing a mailbag show. Yeah, and, and once again, anything you want to know about uh, uh, AJ, questions you want to ask that we can't answer, Sal Mana could, and as Johnny said, he'll be on the show. All right, perfect. That'll be fantastic. Good night, okay. everybody. Well, good night, Johnny. Good night, Beanie. Yep. And for our Bye. world out there, thank you for tuning in. God bless you. And now. The end is near, it's time to face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear, I'll state my case, to which I am certain. I've lived a life that's full, I've traveled and every highway but more much more than this I did it my way regrets I've had a few but then again too few to mention I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption I planned each charted course each careful step along the byways 
but more much more than this I did it my way Oh, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew but through it all when there were doubt I did it up and spit it out and I stood tall and through it all I did it had my share, my fill of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that, and may I say, not in a shy way, oh no.